Dear Father, we come tonight, we're thankful for tonight, we're thankful for uh, the opportunity of tonight, we're thankful for uh, the ability to come and to worship you and to praise you, uh, to, to, to study your word, to look at your word, uh, to hear from you as, you as you speak through your word that you tell us is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. I pray that it bears fruit tonight, that there's an impact tonight, and, and we just uh, open our ears and our, and our minds and our hands, our hearts, uh, to hear and to receive what you what you lead us to see tonight in the study of your word. I pray uh, for our, our kids' classes. I pray in a in a day that is it is so critical, so important that they would know your truth. I pray that today they would hear something that I didn't learn until I was an older uh, person. So I, I pray that that uh, information is 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 presented, that it's understandable, that it's accessible, and that another peg is put in their foundation. I pray for our youth meeting tonight, same thing, uh, that you bless this time of study, that they have an anchor that's being uh, just uh, set and that it holds. I know it'll hold, and I pray that the anchor of your word will guide them in in the coming year and the coming years ahead of that. Lord, we tell you, uh, we're thankful for where you've blessed us, where you've walked with us, where you've never left us, never forsaken us, where all the, the many, many good gracious things you've given us, most of all, our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. So we just open all this up. We ask again that you would be known, that you'd be glorified in our study tonight. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, tonight we're going to start our study. We are on the 60th lesson, the 60th part of our study, the grand scheme of things. Tonight we're looking at really a subject that I never heard anybody teach on as a young person, as a kid. It was always something we just skipped quickly over. Uh, when you get to the Christmas part uh, uh, of studying the gospel accounts, we just moved to the birth account, and we would pass over this, and that is uh, the genealogies. Our lesson tonight is entitled, Family Matters of the Genealogies. Our key verses are found in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, and then Luke chapter 3, verses 23 uh, through 38. The key point of our study tonight is on your worksheet God wants all people to confidently know who Jesus is so that they may trust him as their Savior. That is a reoccurring truth. That is something we keep seeing over and over throughout Scripture, Uh, but for sure we're seeing that over and over as we move into the study of the New Testament. God wants people to know Christ. He wants them to be confident in the truth of who Christ is, uh, not for an academic process, but that they would be able to put their faith and trust Christ as their Savior. He is very deliberate in the effort. Uh, We're going to see that tonight. Uh, One of the ways that God uses to announce and confirm Jesus' identity is through the presentation of two genealogies. So he wants us to know. He wants us to to have that validated, confirmed. And one of the ways that he does that is through the presentation of these two uh, genealogies. Today we're going to consider these genealogies. Start off with the word, uh, the definition A genealogy is the line of ancestors of a person or a family. Some folks get into that, get into studying that, and they look up their genealogy. That's what the basic definition is, the line of ancestors of a person or a family. It is a family lineage, your line that goes uh, behind you. Uh, In in our gospel accounts, uh, we have two places that it records the genealogy of our Savior, Jesus. Uh, Starting in the Gospel of Matthew, there is a genealogy. And then when you get to the third chapter of the Gospel of Luke, 
Uh, there is another recorded genealogy. At first, I, I think when you look at that, and just as soon as you open your Bible to this, maybe tonight, uh, it seems that they are maybe unnecessary. Uh, how does this impact us? Why do we care about this genealogy? And, and maybe it just seems like mundane information, like, well, we needed to put that down. Uh, it's just stuff we need to have to check off. And maybe it's just boring information. I think most of my life, the temptation has been uh, to skip over the genealogies. I don't know very many sermons I've ever heard where someone said, open your Bible to the genealogy and preach the sermon on it. Uh, I, I don't know many times that we say, let's start with the Christmas account and let's start back with the genealogies. Most of the time we, we think, well, we're going to move quickly past this to get to the places of significance in our gospel accounts. And I think that's how we treat them. Uh, we're actually going to see uh, that is to our own detriment. We're actually going to see there is a great purpose in knowing and having the genealogies. And we're going to see, I think by the time we get done tonight, that it is a blessing to be able to come and to point to them and to study them. Now, there are two genealogies. The first one begins Matthew's gospel. And remember his purpose, he's trying to point Jews uh, to, to Christ. He's trying to confirm the, the identity of Jesus, the Nazarene, as the Messiah, and that is the purpose. Well, he actually begins his gospel. The starting place of the gospel of Matthew is with the genealogy. He starts his with the patriarch Abraham. We'll talk about that in a second. Luke starts all the way back at Adam. He starts with Abraham. As you read through the genealogy, we're going to do that in just a second, uh, there are names that you remember. Uh, there's names that are familiar. There's some that kind of make you laugh, some of the crazy things that these people did. And then there's a whole bunch of names that you've never heard. And it's funny, having read this several times, uh, when I read across it, I go, I don't remember that name. I don't remember that person. So there's going to be uh, some names that are less familiar to us or foreign to us as well. Uh, the lineage in Matthew ends with Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Jesus' earthly legal father. Um, I think it's interesting to note, and you're going to see this as we read it, uh, there are three women uh, besides Mary listed in the genealogy, which would have been a strange, strange occurrence in that day. At that day, it goes through the line of the male. Uh, the legal line goes through the male, and so it would have been really unnecessary and unheard of to include female names in the genealogy. Well, when you read the genealogy, we're going to find three female names besides Mary, uh, Mary the mother of Jesus. Now, there's a lot of uh, reasons or a lot of speculation or symbolism to why they're included. I'll just tell you this. I think it shows us very plainly uh, God included all people in his plan of redemption. And so it's not just for males. It didn't come just from males, and I think you see God's inclusion of all people uh, as the recipients of the gospel, but also as the means of, of the gospel unfolding. And so I think that is an awesome thing for us to take note of. Let me start with Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 17. The gospel of Matthew starts like this. The, the record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and, and Zerah by Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amenadab, Amenadab the father of Nashon. 
Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of David, the king. David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba, who had been the wife of Uriah. It tells you right there, who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. And Joram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon was the father of Josiah. Josiah became the father of Jeconah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconah became the father of Shethiel. Shethiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abihud. Abihud, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Eliud. Eliud, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Mathian. Mathian, the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. And so that's the account that Matthew starts with. That is the genealogy that he puts into the written record. All right, the genealogy that's listed in Luke's gospel dates all the way back to Adam. Now, I want you to think about that. Now, why would one start with Abraham and one go back to Adam? Well, understand it goes back to the audience. Uh, Matthew is trying to reach the Jews. He's trying to confirm the identity of Christ to the Jews. Uh, Luke is speaking to Gentiles predominantly, and so he uh, goes back all the way to Adam. Now, think about it. He could have started with Abraham. Abraham doesn't mean anything to the Gentiles. He could have started right there. Uh, they wouldn't have understood that starting place. So for them, he goes all the way back to Adam. And I think that's a pretty awesome thing. Depending on who we're trying to convince, de depending on who needed the validation, the genealogy matches that. So Matthew wants the Jews to understand who Jesus is. He starts with Abraham. These folks could care less about Abraham, so it goes all the way back um, to Adam himself. When you read this account, it works backwards. And so it's not uh, the, the same order that we just went through. It starts with Adam, the son of God. It starts with Joseph uh, and then works its way backward to Adam, the son of God. Uh, Luke's record lists 77 generations. Now, let me go ahead and read that. That's Luke chapter 3. Beginning in verse 23 and going through verse 38. It's a little bit later in the Gospel of Luke. Matthew starts with it. Luke puts it in a little bit later. So this starts Luke chapter 3, beginning in verse 23. When he began his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years of age, being as was supposed, as was known, the son of Joseph the son of Eli, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janai, the son of Joseph, the son of Matthias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Hesli, the son of Nagai, the son of Math, 
the son of Matthias, the son of Simeon, the son of Joseph, the son of Jodah, the son of Jonan, the son of Resa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shethiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adi, the son of Kossam, the son of Elamadim, the son of Ur, the son of Joshua, the son of Eli, Elizer, the son of Jorim, the son of Mathot, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Elikim, the son of Meliah, the son of Mena, the son of Mathot, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salmon, the son of Nashim, the son of Amenadab, the son of Admin, the son of Ram, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahum, the son of Sherug, the son of Ru, the son of Peleg, the son of Heber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Erechaphad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mathiel, the son of Canaan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. And so there is the lineage that's presented in the Gospel of Luke. Again, not going back to Abraham for the context of the Gentiles. It goes all the way back to Adam himself. Seventy-seven generations. Now the question right there begins uh, to be this. Why include the genealogies? Now that, to, for us, that is why I study the genealogies. Why do we care about them? Uh, but for, for God's record, why include the genealogy? Well, I want you to see this. The claim of Jesus to be the Messiah was and is a very radical claim. Well, people believing that claim uh, is critical to them receiving Christ as Savior. And so when you receive Christ by faith, you're not just receiving any understanding of Christ, of Jesus. Uh, it is the biblical understanding of Jesus. Well, the truth of who Jesus is the understanding of who Jesus is, is critical for any person to be able to put their faith, their trust in Jesus. Well, Jesus comes along and he says, I'm the Messiah. I'm the promised anointed Savior of God. Well, the question then becomes, um, there are others that have said this. The Bible says that. History says that. Um, that's a crazy statement. That's a crazy claim. And so the question becomes, how do you validate that claim? I think if somebody came along today and said something absurd to us, we want to know, well, based on what? Well, how do we know that? Well, Jesus shows up. He says he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And so the question is, how do you validate that claim? How would you prove it? Well, understand this. The genealogies include key pieces of the evidence for Jesus fulfilling his role as the Messiah. So it's not just listing it that we would have it. It's not for no reason. It's actually for a very important reason. How do you prove that you're the Messiah? Now, when I, when I say that, uh, there are several ways he's going to try to prove it. He's going to do many signs and wonders. He's going to do many miracles. Uh, the things he's going to teach. Um, the resurrection. There's going to be many proofs that he's the Messiah, but he starts off with the lineage uh, laying the foundation of his claim, validating his claim to be the Messiah. Huge parts of it. All right, I want to go back to Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. 
Matthew 1.1. Here's, here's how Matthew starts. The record of the genealogy of Jesus. Now understand, uh, Jesus is his name. Jesus is the Nazarene. Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Notice there the, the titles that are attributed to Jesus. Uh, each one is important for us to understand that this, this Jesus, this specific Jesus, the Nazarene, uh, who he is. Now, when we read that, I think we're, we're quicker maybe to say, well, I make the connection. But think about the folks in this day. They might say, well, uh, I know him. He's not the Messiah. I know his dad. We've been to his shop. I know his family. I know where he came from. Uh, here he is saying he's the Christ, the Messiah. And so I think there's a skepticism built in. And, and so when we hear that, maybe we get quick, uh, move quickly past that. Uh, but they're wanting to know, how do we know that you're the Messiah? How do we know that we could put validity in your claims? Well, these two lineages, both of them um, show his, the truth of his being, uh, the identity that's presented in those three tiles. Now, let me explain that. So why do we have the genealogy? It's to confirm who Christ is. It says um, the Messiah, the Son of God, I mean the Son of, of, of David, the Son of Abraham. All right, so let's look at those three titles. These two genealogies are going to confirm the three things that we just talked about in verse 1. First is this, the Messiah, Jesus, the person, the Nazarene, he is the Messiah. Now, Messiah is a word that I think in our day is largely empty of its powerful understanding. The Messiah has a powerful understanding. I think we're not probably aware of that in our day. It is a Hebrew word that means the anointed one or the marked one. And so in this day, when they hear the Messiah, they know this is the anointed one. This is the marked one. Now, the Messiah, they knew was the promised Savior sent by God to deliver his people. The Messiah was going to be their deliverer. When we hear Messiah, we probably do not make that much of it. They understood the Messiah is the one that's going to come and deliver his people. Now, the Jewish people knew uh, their hope was in the Messiah. If they were going to have peace, it was going to be in the Messiah. If they were going to have a future, uh, it would be brought to them through the Messiah. And so... Um, they looked for the Messiah. They thought about the Messiah. They had a, an understanding of who the Messiah was, uh, what the Messiah was going to do. Especially when they got in a mess, they looked for the Messiah as their answer. So when they, they sin or they get into trouble, um, they're hauled off into captivity, especially in those times, they would say, hey, we have no answer. Uh, oh, that God would rend the heaven and send our help, send the Messiah. Where does our help come from? And so they're looking for the Messiah. The Messiah was a big deal. It was a large part of Jewish life. Now I think about us today. The word Messiah, uh, honestly, we might go all year and not hear it unless it were for Christmas. Uh, we get a Christmas card and it says Messiah on the front. Uh, we sing songs, uh, Jesus Messiah. But I don't know that we, we put our minds in gears. We sing that and understand when that word registers, it's the deliverer. It's the anointed one of God sent to us. I think we're empty of, of the huge meaning of that word. So the Messiah, Jesus, the Messiah, 
has this huge understanding for the Jewish people. It was a big uh, idea in Jewish life. Well, to identify the Messiah, here's the promised one, the marked one. God foretold of several of his characteristics that could be watched for, okay? So you're looking for the Messiah. Here's some things that are going to confirm the identity of the Messiah. He gives two here in this verse. That Messiah is going to be the son of David, and he's going to be the son of Abraham. How will you know him? He'll be the son of David, the son of Abraham. Let me explain that to you as well. The son of David. One of the truths about the coming Messiah is that he would be the son of David. Now, what that means is, there's a lot to that, but what it on its basic level means is that the Messiah would be able to trace his lineage back to King David himself. Let me read 2 Samuel 7, 16. All right, the prophet's talking to David. He says this, your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. Now what that verse says is uh, the king in the line of David is always going to rule. Uh, well, we know Jesus is the final and forever king in that line. And so there's always going to be a king in your family on that throne. That is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And so understand, any person that claims to be the Messiah is going to have to say, well, let me show you uh, my lineage that goes all the way back to King David. Uh, today, you hear people and they say, uh, I was related to this president, or I was related to this person, or I was related to this famous person. And then you ask them how, and they have some goofy story that that's really not provable. Well, if somebody showed up and said, hey, I'm the Messiah, I'm the anointed one, they're going to have to be able to trace their lineage back to King David. Any person not able to trace their lineage directly back to King David would be excluded from this claim. And so it doesn't matter what you're saying. If you can't trace yourself back to King David, you're going to be excluded from this claim. So the first thing, here is Jesus. He is the Messiah. How do you know he's the Messiah? Because he is the son of David. He has to be the son of David. All right, here's another description that must be fulfilled in the person of Jesus. The son of Abraham, the son of Abraham. Just like the Messiah would be identifiable as a descendant of King David, he also would be identifiable as a descendant of Abraham. The Messiah is going to have to be a descendant of Abraham. I'm going to read Genesis chapter 12. Verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you and curse the, and the ones who curse you I will curse. And in all the families of the earth, and in you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. Listen to that last line. And in you, all of the families of the earth 
will be blessed. God makes a promise to Abraham. He says there's going to be a promised lamb. But he also says coming from you will be a blessing for all peoples on the earth. This was a promise that the Messiah would be in his line. And so there is Jesus. He is the Nazarene, the man. That's his name. He is the Messiah. To confirm he is the Messiah, he is the son of David, must be the son of David, a descendant of David. He must be the son of Abraham, a descendant of Abraham. Let me go back and read Matthew 1 and 1 again. The record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. I want you to see, and we've already read the two, but I want you to see this. These two lineages, why are they here? They confirm that Jesus is the son of David. He has to go back to David. It also confirms he is the son of Abraham. It must go back to Abraham. So instead of just an insignificant listings of names, this is a confirmation. He is the Messiah. He claims to be. Well, how do we know? Because we have his lineage that goes back to David. How do we know? Because not only that, but on top of that, we have a lineage that goes back to Abraham. And so instead of being meaningless or something to skip over, uh, the two lineages prove the faithfulness of God to send us our Savior in the person, uh, the specific person of Jesus Christ. And so what, what are these here for? They are to prove who Jesus is, that he can claim the title of Messiah, and that it gives us two checks uh, that, yes, this validates his claim. He is actually the son of David. He is actually the son of Abraham. Uh, so it does matter. It's not just some small, inconsequential piece of information. Now, I was thinking about this. Now, what if they weren't there? What if we didn't have the genealogy of Matthew or the genealogy of Luke? That might not be as big of an issue for us today because I don't, I don't know that we're sitting around saying, well, I've got a checklist and I've got to make sure he's the Messiah. Again, that's a pretty empty word for us today. But I think those in the early church, the disciples, the apostles, those that were going to be saved out of Judaism, those that were going to start off the cause, if they didn't have these two things, they weren't going to accept him as the Messiah and the whole thing very quickly falls apart. So it is crucial that they have the genealogies. It is crucial for us building our faith that we can say God is trustworthy, God is faithful. These two genealogies tell us the identity of Christ uh, matching up the checklist. All right, something interesting happens, and I wanted to talk about this. On your worksheet it says one Messiah, two lines. There are people, and, and maybe you know them, maybe you've heard this, and they highlight the fact that there are some differences in the two biblical records of Jesus' lineage. Now, you may have noticed, hey, some of those names weren't the same. You may, you may have noticed there were some differences there. Well, if you set them side by side, and I did this online, you can put the two genealogies together, and, and they're not the same. There are some differences there. There are some folks that say, well, these differences mean that the Bible is unreliable. They mean that the, the Bible's not trustworthy, and so therefore the whole thing is untrue. So the question is, and I didn't want to pass it by without talking about it, the question is what do we do about uh, the differences? Um, I've actually met folks, and, and they've said, well, what about the lineages? They're not the same. Uh, which one are we supposed to believe? Do you believe Matthew or do you believe Luke? And maybe we shouldn't believe either of them. And that's their issue 
Folks that are trying to discredit the Bible throw that up as one of the inconsistencies in Scripture. So what do we do with that? I want to talk about that. What do we do with that? First thing is this. You can be sure there are differences in the, in the generations and also in some of the names listed as the ancestors of Jesus. So you don't have to say, well, there's no difference. There's actually people that say, well, that's a different version of the same name. Or they say, well, they were going to count that generation, but that generation wasn't counted because something was happening politically. And they start to try to explain it away. There's no problem here. There's no issue here. Well, let me just go ahead and tell you this. There are differences in the generations, and there are differences in the names of some of the listed ancestors of Jesus. It's okay. We can say that. But let me just tell you, that doesn't mean there's a crisis of our faith, which it doesn't mean this. Well, I guess we just shut the Bible and go home. Let me explain why there's differences. First off, somebody points that out. Yes, there are differences. Some of the generations do not match up. Some of the names do not match up as well. However, it's not a crisis of our faith. Let me explain this. The record listed in Matthew is the genealogy of Joseph, Jesus' legal father. Now listen very carefully. The genealogy, the lineage that's listed in Matthew it is the genealogy of Joseph, Jesus' legal father. The lineage genealogy recorded in Luke is the genealogy of Mary, Jesus' mother. And so there's actually two different genealogies. One of them is of Joseph, the legal father. The other is of Mary. The record of Matthew presents Jesus' legal lineage, the legal line goes to the dad. And so if it's going to be to the letter of the law, and if it's going to be upheld in court, it's going to have to go through the father. So the legal line goes through Matthew and the record of Joseph. The other line, the other lineage in Luke is the biological line. This person gave birth to this person, gave birth to this person. So it's not the legal line, it is the biological line that ends up with Mary, and so it goes uh, on the other side. Now, I want you to see this. So you have the legal lineage of Jesus, and you have the biological lineage of Jesus. Do you know both sides tell us he's the son of David? He's the son of David on both sides. He's the son of Abraham on both sides. That, that's that's mind-blowing to me. Both of those lineages come to the conclusion that Jesus is the Messiah, and he is the Messiah because he is the legal and biological son of David. He is the legal and biological son of Abraham. Now, when I think about that, that is, that's tremendous. That's awesome. God leaves no stone unturned making the case that you can trust the lineage, that you can trust the claim of Jesus that he is the Messiah. God wants it to be plain. He wants it to be known. It's not ambiguous. It's very clear. Jesus had every right to make the claims that he did. Now, I want you to think about two things here, and then I'm going to try to make it as practical as I can. What would some people say if it was proven that Jesus was the biological descendant, but not the legal? And so you could say, they had them, had them, had them, comes to Jesus, He's the biological, but he's not the legal. 
Now, there'd be some folks who say, well, hey, that doesn't stand up. That's not going to hold weight in court. That's not a testimony we can put value in. He's not the legal descendant. And, and so there would be some that take that side. What if you said he's the legal descendant, but he's not the biological descendant? And so you'd say, well, I don't care what you got in the record books. He's not the biological descendant. He, he can't fill that spot. He's not the biological descendant. Now, think about that. What are the odds that God would give two genealogies that would satisfy both sides, the legal side and the biological side? And that's exactly what we have in, in the person of Jesus Christ, in that person. If you go down that side, you're going to show up. He's the son of David. He's the son of Abraham. If you go down that side, he's the son of David. He's the son of Abraham. On the biological side and on the legal side, he satisfies both. Now, let me make this practical to you. Have you ever met anybody that says, Joseph wasn't his real dad? Joseph wasn't his real dad. He wasn't his real dad. He's his legal dad. He's his earthly dad. But there's some folks who say, well, he can't fit the line because he's, he's not his real dad. Well, then you say, well, let's just go over to Luke and we'll bring the biological side and Mary is going to fulfill it and she is the birth mom. You ever met anybody that says, well, she's the birth mom, but in that day it didn't go through the birth mom side. It went down the legal side. Guess what? That's checked off and fulfilled too. That is staggering to me. Now, that means Mary and Joseph are related I think it's a distant relation somewhere that, that runs through the line. But both of the checklists are running off both of the sides. And if you need a legal verification, you've got it. If you need a biological verification, you've got that. And they both are fulfilled in the person of Christ. Now, all of that to say this, God wants us to know that Jesus is the Messiah. We can trust that he's the Messiah. They can trust it, and they have these lineages we can come and we can put our confidence in it as well. To me, that's an awesome thing. To me, that's a, a pretty profound thing. And to me, it's a sad thing that, that most of my life, we just go, well, that's just a list of names, not going to be important to me, instead of saying, look what God was doing. Look what God was confirming. This is no happenstance, flippant thing. Uh, this is set in motion and it goes through and God is faithful all the way. We have our Savior in Christ. We can trust he's the Messiah, and, and we can understand both of those things in these lineages. Just think about this, and then that just starts the New Testament. That just starts the discussion of Jesus. We're going to talk about his miracles. We're going to talk about his miraculous birth. We're going to talk about walking on water. But just to start the discussion on Jesus, we go, hey, he's the son of David, double confirmed. He's the son of Abraham, double confirmed. And God is faithful to uphold his word. And that's just beginning the discussion. That's where we're going to end tonight. Next week we're going to start talking about uh, his birth. Glad you're here. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. All right, let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for today. We're thankful for um, your faithfulness. We're thankful for your word. I pray, Lord, as we study it tonight, just a, just a few moments uh, that we'd be in awe of how you uh, have been faithful and how we can trust your word. And if we can trust it here, we can trust it everywhere. And so I, I'm thankful for that confirmation tonight. I pray that we've been encouraged tonight, that we've been taught tonight, 
that we leave here tonight knowing something maybe we didn't know when we came in, maybe being encouraged in something we already knew. Uh, and I, I pray, Lord, thanking you for the truth of your word. Again, I pray for all of our people that are studying your word tonight, those listening on the internet, those that will be in our other classes, especially for our kids and our young people, um, that they are learning the marvelous um, Savior that we have in, in, in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for our church that you would bless it. I pray that you would lead it. pray that you would use it. pray that we'd be about your, your work and we'd bring glory to your name. I, I pray as we study on Sunday mornings um, with a sense of urgency uh, that this age is soon to end and this church age will soon wrap up. And I pray, Lord, that we will have been found faithful at every turn to uphold your truth to stand on your truth and, and to plead with the lost and dying world to hear and to see and to receive the truth of Christ. Uh, Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.